Let's get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. On the phone, we have the newest member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, former Seattle Seahawk and Florida State Seminole, Walter Jones. How you doing, Walter? Uh, I'm doing just fine, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much. I see you grew up in Alabama. How did Alabama not get you and Florida State end up landing you? Was it more money or? <laughs> you know, I always joke with people all the time. You know, people ask me that all the time. How did I get Alabama? I always say Florida State check was bigger. And it's just a joke that I use, man. But at that time, I think uh, Florida State was, you know, one of the dominant teams uh, that was playing. And, you know, I went there on a visit and, and I said, hey, this is where I want to play my college ball at. So I was going to do whatever it takes for me to get there and play at Florida State. I was listening to a radio show yesterday, and they were joking about Eric Dickerson. They said when SMU was recruiting him, A&M was also, and A&M gave him a Pontiac Grand Am. He took the car and went to SMU, but I, I don't think it was a Grand Am. It was probably a Trans Am. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was, man. But, you know, that was just, you know, I, I, you know, stuff that was going on. But, you know, Florida State, then, you know, it wasn't about – offering anything or giving away anything. It was just that that was the school I wanted to play for. You know, it was, I was a fan growing up. Cause like you say, coming from Alabama, you know, Alabama was the team that everybody loved. So, you know, it, it, it was when I went to JUCO, it was hard because, you know, I had an opportunity to still go to Alabama and uh, I had to stay where I thought was a, a better opportunity for me to, to get into the NFL. I would think a lot of schools would have come after a guy who's six five three twenty. Yes. Uh, well, you know, my uh, going, coming out of high school, you know, I was, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think everybody has a story of you know, you know, not doing as well in school. So you kind of try to find something. That, at, at that point, I was just trying to find something that could, you know, I had a high school coach that came in and kind of got me on track and kind of told me that, you know, he kind of took me around to like, you know, you know, college games and stuff. And I kind of, you know, figured out this is what I want to do, you know, coming from a small rural town, not having that much, you know, you, you, you see football and you think, okay, I can be pretty good in this, or I got the talents or I got the potential to be good in it. So for me, I just decided that this is something that I want to pursue. So I kind of, with all my marbles in one basket and say, hey, this is what I want to pursue. But at that same time, before I got into football, I wasn't doing that good in school. So school wasn't something that was important to me. So once I got into football and realized that, you know, I had to get my school work, you know, I had, you know, put some stuff, the things that was behind or that, that didn't help me out that when I should have been doing my work, I wasn't doing my work. So that's why I had to go to junior college route. So, for me, you know, my recruiting really, I really didn't get the true feel of, you know, I had to do all my recruiting. I had to do all my videotapes and send out all that stuff to teams and let teams know that I was out there because I wouldn't have been playing my senior year of football. So what happened was that, um, I had to go to the Juco route and, you know, after that, my recruiting stuff started back over because they found out I was in the state of Alabama and I had already said that I was going to go to Florida State. So at that time, going to Juco, you know, that recruiting started all back over, so it was fun then. What was Bobby Bowden like to play for? Oh, man, he was a, uh, you know, 
he's a hometown favorite. So for me to get a chance to to play for a great coach like that, man, it was fun. You know, he was very family family oriented, where he knew everything about your family. But at that time, you know, you know, Florida State had became a big powerhouse. So you know, at that time, you know, it was more of you know his assistance that was relaying to what he wanted his team to be like. So for him. You know, it was more him just getting to know you as a player. And you go out, it was more, now that you think about it, you know, being in the NFL, it was more like the way that it was, it was preparing for how the NFL, you know, in the NFL, you don't see the head coach as much as you see your assistants and the guys that are relaying the information down to you and you have to put it on the football field. So at that point, you know, you was kind of getting that pro feel of how things are done in the pros. What was the transition like? I, I assume Aliceville, Alabama is not a, a major metropolitan area. <laughs> so to go from there to junior college to, to Tallahassee, what was that transition like? Oh, man, you know, at the time, I, my main focus was on um, football. I, I, you know, like I say, I went on visit to, to Tallahassee and stuff. So, you know, being in a, and going to other colleges and going to, you know, major college football games, I, I like, Coming from a small town, I figured, okay, this is my way out. This is something that I want to do. This is something I want to be a part of. So, not saying that you know it was it was a lot different. There's more people, and you know you meet all types of people. So for me, that was something that I wanted to be a part of. I wanted to be a part of a, a big time school playing football. So I did everything I could to get get to that point. So the transition was more like, okay, I can't wait to get there because that's something that I have been working so hard for through high school and through junior college to get to Florida State. I wanted to be walking on that campus and I wanted to be a part of that part of the whole school life. Who was your bigger rival in college? Was it Florida or Miami? Oh man, that's that's tough, but when I was playing it was Florida. You know, Miami was, you know, back in the early 90s, um, you know, it was Florida, it was it was it was Miami, but when I got there it was more Florida. You know, I played I got a chance to play against those guys twice. And well, well, honestly, one time, I, my first year out there, I was a red shirt. I was a red shirt, so I didn't get a chance, but the game was so good. And, you know, the, uh, we came back and, you know, tied the game up. And just to be on the sideline to see that game, it was, was great. And then the next year, I played and we was the number one team going. To, I think they was the number one team, but we was the number two team. But, you know, going into that game, you know what I'm saying? That game was so hyped and we got, came out on top and, you know, they go, you know, our season was over with, so we kind of knew we were in a championship game, but we were just waiting on the next team that we had to play. And, you know, Florida had went on and won the SEC championship, so they can't, and we end up playing those guys again. So, and that, and that little, you know, that two, one year, two year span, you know, that team was the team that we knew we had to beat. You know, we shouldn't have played them in a championship game, but, you know, those guys, you know, kind of figured out what we was doing to them and, and Danny Warford kind of showed why he was the Heisman Trophy winner. So he threw the ball all over the field and stuff. And, you know, they kind of, the game kind of got out of hand pretty fast. Yeah. What was that redshirt season like? I'm sure you're saying to yourself, I should be on the field playing, you know, for the Seminoles. And here, here I am sitting out. You know, it was, it was, I think it's, it's one of those situations where, it, I, I learned a lot. Just I was doing everything, but not playing on the game on Sunday. So it kind of made you. It kind of it kind of humbled you a little bit and said, "Okay, you know, you just wait your turn." You know, and, and the thing about that was, a lot of the classes that I was taking in junior college wasn't transferred over. It was so much 
paperwork to do to get those class to transfer and making sure that those class count towards uh, the D1 school. So by t- once, you know, I was preparing myself to play. I was practicing every day and doing everything, hoping that I could get in the game. And then it got to about like game six when all my classes from my junior college had cleared. So the best, you know, we sat down with the coaches and the best thing to do is say, hey, this is red shirt this year and it'll be a learning year for you. So in the grand scheme of things, I think it was a situation where it helped me out a lot. So I was able to, you know, you know, play with, you know, great guys every day in practice and, and hone in on my skills and prepare myself. So the next year I came out, I was ready and prepared and was able to go out there and, and play at a high level. Did you know you were get drafted by Seattle in the first round uh, with the sixth pick? <laughs> I didn't know at the time. I think uh, when I was coming out in the draft, uh, they came out with uh, a league six of guys that was coming out in the draft and, and once uh, Seattle made they pick when they picked Sean Springs with the third pick in the draft, I figured you know, it was going to probably be uh, at that time when I was sitting there with my family. I thought it was going to be, uh, oh, I think it was Oakland. I think it was. I thought it was going to be Oakland. But you know, then some trades happened, and all of a sudden it was Seattle. So I still, and again, I didn't think it was Seattle because you know I came out here on a visit and. You know they was they was showing interest, but you, they just didn't give in to nothing. Oh, we, if we got a, if we at that pick, we're gonna pick you. But they were the third pick, so I'm thinking like, well, they already made their pick with Sean Springs. So I'm like, well, it's not gonna be Seattle. So, but they made some picks and made some trades, and they was there at that number six pick, and you know, right there with probably two a minute left for the for the, the the call was made. They they uh Dennis Edison called me and said, Hey, well, how would you like to be a, a Seattle Seahawk? I was like, I would love to be a Seattle Seahawk <laughs> and you know, they made the pick and the rest is history, man. You know, I was I had an opportunity to, to come and play for an organization that I love and, and, and you know at that time all I wanted to do was get in the NFL and prove that I could play at the NFL, play at the NFL level. Going into training camp, did you say to yourself I'm going to be a starter when the season starts. You just say to yourself, you know, I just want to make the team. <laughs> you know, at that time when I came in, you know, when I got drafted by the Seahawks, they, when I came in, they put me at left tackle. And they would say, hey, you're our left tackle. The only way you'll lose the job is, you know, you don't play good. So at that point in time, I figured, okay, this is my job to lose. So I put everything into that. And I said, okay, I'm not going to lose the job. This is what I've been working for for the last five years to get to this point. So, you know, for them to draft me that high, I knew that they felt pretty good that I could come in there and, and be a starter for them. So uh, once they gave me the job, man, I was thrown into the fire, man. I think as an offensive lineman, especially at that at that high of draft pick, you know, I think the best way, you know, sometimes they can say quarterbacks can sit a year, but I think as an offensive lineman playing at that high level, at that high pick, I think you have to be you know, you have to take the good and the bad with that offensive lineman and let that offensive lineman learn the system and learn the plays and learn on the go instead of sitting on the sideline and, and not playing. I think as an offensive lineman, you can learn so much by playing and getting, you know, a lot of reps and practice and, in the game. Those linemen were tough back then with Seattle. You had Phillip Daniels, Cortez Kennedy, Michael Sinclair. Who did you go up against in practice? <laughs> Oh man, Philip Daniel gave me fits every day, man. Those guys, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a, I think it's a, uh, you know, and Tez, you know, those guys was, um, those guys were, uh, was true professionals. Those guys, uh, 
worked me every day. And, you know, was, as a rookie, you know what I'm saying, you, you, um, you have to earn your respect with those guys. So you want to go out there and, you know, prove that you can play at this level. You know, those guys have been playing for a couple of years. For me, it was it was great work. I wanted to be a part of it, and this is where I want to be. So I was going to do everything I can to gain their respect and go out there and prove to them that I can play, and not even by going against them, you know, going out there on Sunday and fighting and showing that I can fight and, and, and do things that – the reason why the team picked me and wanted me to play be their left tackle. How long was it before you, you realized that not only play in the NFL, but you you could play at a, a very high level that you know someday might lead to the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Oh, uh, you know, I um, after you know you know playing for so long, I think for me personally, I think around about my middle of my third year, going into my fourth year, I think that's when I, you know. For me, I think the blessing for me is that I was able to be with one offense for like 10 years. So that made everything a lot easier for me. You know, a lot of times, you know, the game plans for me was, hey, block the defense. And yeah, so that made it easy for me to go out there and say, okay, I know I can play this game. So now all I have to do is study the guy that I'm going against and, 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 and do everything I can to take this guy out of the game. So that made my, my game plan easy. So all I had to do was go out there and, and focus on that guy. I'm not saying that, you know, that was, you know, that was a tough job at some time, but, you know, as a player, you know, you want that, you want that competition. You want to go out there and, and shut a guy out. So that's kind of like where things started to, to open up for me. And I wanted to, you know, I, you know, you have some great guys that was playing the game at that time. You know, at that, if you go back and look, you know, from, like, you know, probably what, 96, not, you know, you, you can go back to probably Anthony Munoz where, you know, Anthony Munoz was probably, you know, one of the best left tackle out there that, that played the left tackle the way. You know, when I was growing up, that's the guy that I used to watch when I was in high school that, you know, was showing techniques online and how left tackle should play the game. But when I came in the game, you had like guys like Eric Williams from Dallas Cowboys. You had, uh, Jonathan Ogden, you had Orlando Pace, and even Tony Bacella before he got hurt. I thought that was one of those guys that you could watch and say, man, I want to play just like that. I want to be consistent just like those guys. So as for me, I had a lot of guys that I could just watch and kind of watch their game and see how what make them great. So that's kind of how I wanted to be. I said, okay, they go in the game and shut a guy out. So that's the way I continually kept playing my game every year. I wanted to be consistent and and be the, the top in my game every year. So that was something that I kind of strive for every year from that point on. You block for a lot of great running backs. In college, you had work done. Then you go to Seattle, you have Chris Warren, Sean Alexander. Did you have a favorite running back to block for? Not really, man. I think it's a situation where if you got a good running back out there, you know, uh, blocking for Ward done, you know, he made your job a lot easier because he was so small. So, you know, he knew how to set up blocks and he knew how to get behind the offensive linemen. You know, and I think as a, a running back, if you got a great running back, you know, all they want you to do is to, to block those guys in front of you and get him to the safety. And then if he can make the safety mix, most, most of the time, you know, he can make plays. And you think about all the running backs that I block for, you know, you, you, you want to get them to the safety as an offensive lineman. That's what you want to do. You want to get him to the safety or get him to you know, the unblocked guy. And most of the time, those guys can make those guys missing. So you go back and look at them. You can see those guys, you know, 
they're not getting touched until they get to the secondary. And as an offensive lineman, that's what you want. You want those guys to get to the second level. And, and once those guys get to the second level, you know, those guys can, can make a lot of yards and, and make a lot of plays. Oh, I forgot Ricky Waters. That's <laughs> exactly, you know what I'm saying? Ricky Waters was like, you know, one of the, you know, one of, a, a probably more vocal uh, player that, you know, was, that that loved his offensive line. I'm not saying the rest of those guys then, but you know, just to to get that guy and uh, when I came in there, you know, a guy that was was very physical and understood the West Coast offense. So he came in and you know we ran the ball. You know, you said like I said, you get those guys that can that that you get them to the second level. You know, get those guys to those safety. They could make those guys miss. So it made your job a lot easier. You knew if they got passed off the defensive line. You know those guys can make plays and 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 make a lot of yards. Was there any difference blocking for a Ricky Waters as opposed to a Sean Alexander? Not really. You know, saying I think it was a situation where you know Sean was a guy that the same way guy that you know you you get him to the second level. He was kind of cool or witty, knew how to you know make guys miss, and you know he knew how to to get to the end zone. You know, for one a guy that. You know, when we got inside the 20 or something, he knew how to get in the end zone, so he wanted to score touchdowns, you know. And as running backs, that's what you want. You want to run the ball, and you want the ball. You want the ball in your hand. So there's never was a, you know, I never looked in the backfield and tried to see what running back was in the huddle or nothing like that when I was playing. You know, I knew that those guys could go out there, and they understood the offense and knew what we was trying to do. So for me to see those guys, you know, in the offensive line, me when we go into a run game to to understand the blocking and and know what we're trying to do, and they come out there and they put it all together and stuff. So that makes you feel good to want to block for those guys. How did the culture change in Seattle when Mike Holmgren became the GM and coach? You know, I think he came here, came there, and um, showed us that we can we can win too, and we can be in the big games. You know, and he said once he came in there that if you do it this way, we can. We can win, and I think that's where it all began for for the twelfth man and all that. That you know, Mike Holmgren came in there and showed the city that hey, this team can win just as well as the Green Bay's of of the world and stuff. So he came in with a lot of respect, you know. And I think as a, a team that haven't wasn't you know wasn't doing that well for him to come in there and show us the way and show hey how, how you can be consistent and play at a high level and if you do that you can be in games or you can be in the hunt to to win the Super Bowl and and, and everybody was was believing in that and so for that for us to get a chance to to play in the Super Bowl man it was awesome man because he everything that he said that if we did it right. You know, we we could we could play for championships, and we got a chance to. We didn't bring it home, but you know everything that he said to do, we did, and we had an opportunity to to win a game in the end. What were the qualities that made you so good? I, I assume there's more to it than just being big, because if that was the only criterion, you know, teams would just find a big guy and put him out at left tackle. But, but there have to be physical as well as mental and preparation that, that goes into being successful? I think it's um, sometimes it can be luck and sometimes it can be just, I think you have to have great feet. I think sometimes uh, for me, I thought, think that, you know, you look at a lot of the, the great offensive linemen, you know, they had this um, this defensive mindset for me personally. I, I enjoyed 
hanging with the defensive line guys. I was more like, okay, if I if I can hang out with them and I can see how they work, and then that kind of will put me into the mind frame, okay, I know what they're thinking. So if I watch them a lot, that's how I would do when I go to the line of scrimmage. I want, I'd be thinking about my job, but I'm thinking about, okay, what would I do to beat me or what would I do to try to beat, you know. I always was thinking that stuff, so I think it takes a lot of, you know, thinking and, you know, say like you say, skills and you have to be just as athletic as those guys are too. You know, like you say, if you're just big, but you got to be able to have the foot speed and, and all the, the physical and mental stuff that comes with it to, to be able to go out there and, and block those guys for 60 minutes every Sunday. Who is the toughest defensive lineman you went up against? Oh, man, toughest defensive lineman? I would say, you know, I would say, t- you know, when I was first got in the league, I, you know, went against like Derek Thomas, you know, he was a, playing in Kansas City, you know, going up there, that was probably before the 12th man, that was the loudest stage that everybody feared. So, you know, as a rookie going up there, and he's got the crowd going, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, oh, my God, like, you know, this is what, you know, this is what I signed up for. And it was amazing. But I will say Bruce Smith. And then, like you say, once, you know, my name got out there and this guy is good, you know, you you, you want to get great guys all the time. You know, you can, you know, those guys gave me the A game every game. So you have to be out there and stay focused and, and try, you know, your best to, to not go out there and, and, and be – uh, last go days ago and, and give up a sack. You know, those, that's part of the game. You don't want to give up a sack, but you know, once you, you get let down one play, that's when things go wrong. Now you didn't give up a whole lot of sacks. I think the number was 23 out of more than like 5,500 passing plays with the Seahawks. When that happens, what goes through your head and what do you hear from the quarterback? Honestly, though, you know, the quarterbacks don't too much say now. You know, a lot of times the quarterbacks will take on the responsibility and say, that was my fault. I should have got the ball out or, you know, I should, you know, it just, it, everybody want to be, you know, quarterbacks always understand, you know, how, how tough it is to, to go out there and, and block those guys and stuff. And, you know, a lot of times the quarterbacks, you know, talking that Matt Hasselback, you know, once you give up a sack, you know, you watch guys and they don't, Go pick the guy up. A lot of times, you know, you talk to quarterback. Quarterback said they usually hate that if if I get beat for a sack, and then don't come and help me up or something like that. So most of the time, you see linemen once they give up a sack, they go back to the huddle because the quarterback is probably pissed because you know you if you got just completely physically beat and he got hit, he don't want to see the guy that got beat helping <laughs> him get up. So so you most of the time, if, if that happens, you're like, well, I don't want to go that back and pick him up after that, you know. So. From that point, so you 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 have the mind that okay, I don't want to be that guy to go have to pick him up. So I'm I'm trying my best to keep that guy from from hitting my quarterback. Holmgren said you're the best offensive player ever coached. That must really piss off Brett Favre. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey man, I you know I I I I I, I love Coach Holmgren for that. You know, I think it's a situation where, like I say, when I when I played, I got a chance to to be in one offense for ten years and. So it made my game a lot easier. It made me say, okay, this is what I have to work on or, you know, this is what I knew the offense. So it made it a lot easier for me. But, you know, I want to go out there and, and, and be dominant and be consistent at what I do. You know, I wanted to, to set the standards of how a left tackle should play the game of football. So for me, for him saying that and for me now to, 
to be inducted into the, the the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know, I can I can sit back and I can feel good that you know a young kid can look at me and say, "Hey, that's the way I want to play the game of football." You can go back and look at Fim and say, "Hey, that's the way I want to play." So, but Mike Holmgren say that you know, with I don't even touch the football. That's that show that I went out there and I played the game the way it's supposed to be played. Did you ever go to Holmgren and tell him, you know, once upon a time I used to be a pretty good tight end? You can, you can throw me the ball you know, once in a while. <laughs> you know, honestly, though, we on, on Fridays and stuff, we used to work the red zone and stuff, and we used to say that all the time. We always used to talk about giving me a pass. And he told me, man, I want you to be so good that if if you if you're not where you're supposed to be, people are gonna know what's going on. So it was, you know, it it was always brought up on Friday. Say, hey, I need to get a pass. I need to get a pass. But he always would say, hey, if I put you somewhere not where you're supposed to be, people are gonna know what's going on. So that was one reason why I never got a pass because he said, if if you go out for a pass or you, if I try to put you somewhere so you can't get a pass. People are going to figure out what's going on anyway. So it was, you know, sometimes your, your goodness, it can never get, you know, some of those guys, look at some of those guys and got a touchdown pass in the game. I'm like, why well, can't you get a touchdown pass? And he's like, man, if I did something to try to get you a pass, everybody know what was going on because you're not where you're supposed to be at. When you went in, when you found out you got inducted in the Hall of Fame this year, what was that like? Oh, man, it was, it was, a, it was a raw emotion. I, uh, I had a chance to you know, experience that, you know, the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, what they did this year was they uh, brought the, the 15 finals to uh, New York City. So you think about sitting in a hotel, you know, for 30 minutes trying to figure out if you're going to get in or not. So that was a very raw emotion because at that point, you can't do anything. Everything is laid out on the table. Now you got all these, these, these voters voting to try to, you know, pick out five guys from this top 15. All these guys are deserving to be in there. So now you, you, you can't, you can't control it. So you just wait on that phone call. And for me and my son to, to sit there and, and, and get that phone call and say that you're in and, and finally that everything that you have worked and did for you at that moment to, to get this, this high honor, you know, it was very emotional for me and him. And, you know, and it was it was great for this for the for the city of Seattle, man, for me to to play my whole career in Seattle, to be consistent as I was, and and to to, to end my career as a, a Hall of Famer and a first time ballot. You know, that's those are emotions that you'll never ever forget. Now, Seattle is known for its twelfth man. You know, that being the fans. For those of us who haven't been to a Seattle Seahawks game in Seattle. Can can you describe what that's like? <laughs> yeah, I would say uh make sure you have some earbuds, man. This 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 city follows this team, loves this team to death, you know, and with the success that this team is having now, you know, this team is built to 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 be great for a couple of years and and the team is always, you know, I mean the the, the city is always the fans have always been behind the team, you know. It's any like any other team fans, you know. If, if the team is not doing good, the fans gonna let you know. But most of the time, you know, since you know since Mike Holmgren's here and set the kind of the standard of how the fans should be and and what's what you put on the football field, and now Pete Carroll have done the same thing. You put a good a great quality of, of players on the football field, the fans gonna come out and support that team. So right now, you know. You know, coming off a Super Bowl win, it just, it just, 
it just excites the fans even more. You know, everybody want to be a part of it. Everybody want to be a witness to it. So if anybody get a chance to come out here and, and watch that, man, make sure you got earbuds up there. I think they're the only fans that I know that can know, you know, you know, you always say smart fans that know what's going on. They get, they understand what's going on. You know, most of the time when you play with teams, they, fans don't know when to yell or when not to yell. This team is pretty good. It's almost like, you know, you know, if you have somebody like Peyton Manning, you know, I think, you know, Russell Wilson is getting to that point where teams understand that, okay, offense is on the field, so they know to be quiet and kind of let them do their work. But then once the defense get raring and special teams get wearing, this team, this, these fans know when to get going and keep the noise going. It's not like where you go from you know, play to play. They, they know from, you know, kickoff to huddle how to stay loud. It's a consistent loud throughout the game. Who's going to present you this year at the Hall of Fame? Right now, it's my son. You know what I'm saying? I'm working with him. You know, I, like I say, he was um, my son. His, uh, his name is Walter Jones, and he's 14 years old. And he, uh, you know, he was there to, to 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 be there that night with the phone call. So, you know, he's. I asked him, did he want to be the one to present me? And he said yes. And I think at the time, you know, a lot of times you think, oh, is he old enough? Is he mature enough? I think he's ready for that. And the way the NFL, the pro football fighting do it, do, do it is that they don't, you don't have to be, a, you know, they video it so they can come to the house and, you know, they can make sure that he's doing it right. And he don't have to feel like he's in front of all these people, you know, making his speech. So I think it's going to be fun. You know, it'll be a, um, a, a in uh, uh, a celebration from from day one to the celebration in, in August at Canton. So for me and him, that's going to be very emotional for me and him to to come to from the hotel room to the stage. So you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think he's looking forward to it too. So it should be fun. Would you have liked to block for a quarterback like Russell Wilson, or you were happy that you had a guy like Hasselbeck who would stay in the pocket? You know, you know, I look at both of those guys, and Hasselback was great at what he does, and and Russell Wilson is great at what he does. I don't think he's more of a a guy that just run, just deliberately just runs around. I think he, you know, once once a play break down, you know, he's pretty good at uh, making plays with his feet. You know, he's still trying to look to throw the ball downfield. He's not a guy that out there running around like he's a, a running back. And then this guy's still trying. You know, as an offensive lineman. If you got a guy that know how to avoid, you know, collisions or avoid to getting out of trouble, you know, a lot of times that helps you out because sometimes, you know, in this game you can get physically get beat or a guy can just beat you off the ball. And so you got a quarterback that can that can make that guy one guy miss and still make a play downfield. You know, as an offensive lineman, you want that too. So, you know, you look at Hasselback and when he played, you know, he was great at that too, you know. And I think those guys have both of those those attributes where, if they get out the pocket or they are forced out the pocket, they're not running around trying to make plays with their feet. They're there to throw the football. So both of those guys can still, you know, make plays down the field. So for me, I would enjoy, you know, I enjoy my years with Hasselback. You know, he did some great things for Seattle. But, you know, Russell is doing great things too. You know, he's going to be great for a long time. So for me, it, it really wouldn't matter who I play with because both of those guys are uh, – Great quarterbacks and, and, you know, Russ Wilson is young, but he's still making, you know, he's, he don't want a Super Bowl. So, hey, you know, this guy know how to play the game of football and he know how to 
make guys miss and still know how to keep the ball down the foot, football field. And that's all, like I say, as an offensive lineman, that's what you want. And you blocked for the old guy, Warren Moon, when you came in. He wasn't moving around too much then. No, man, you know, he was a straight pocket pass. And I think, you know, the time that Warren came through the league, that was what it was all about them. And it still is, you know, in the end, you know, you hear a lot of people saying, you know, as a quarterback, no matter how much a quarterback runs around, you know, you got to throw from the pocket. So Warren Moon was probably one of the best at it and threw a pretty good ball. So if you blocked for Warren Moon and gave him time, you know, he could be any defense. So for me, you know, I, you know, thinking about that now, thinking about, man, I was in the huddle with Warren Moon. I was in the huddle with Ricky Waters. I was in the huddle with Jerry Rice. So for me, you know, it's been a, you know, I didn't got a chance to be in the huddle with some great guys, you know, going to the the Pro Bowl and stuff and getting a chance to meet all these great guys. So for me, so now to end my career and be successful as I was, and now I get a chance to, you know, get to the Hall of Fame and meet these guys and be a part of this great group of guys. You know, it's just so emotional, man, just to see that, you know, your career is, 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 is it's been great. And and, and I'm, I can't wait to for Cannon and, and to, to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So you're getting a ring. You were the honorary captain of the Super Bowl this year. Seattle wins. So did you get the ring too? You know, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not <laughs> expecting a ring. I don't know. I, you know, a lot of people have asked me that and I don't, you know, I think that's, when you get rings and stuff like that, you have to, you have to be out there and, 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 and be a part of the, uh, the blood, sweat and tears that they would say. So, you know, if the Seahawks was to do something like that, I would honor it and, and appreciate it. But, you know, I'm five years removed from the Seahawks and I'll always be a Seahawk, but, you know, those guys work hard for that, 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 that moment. So I won't, you know, won't want to take that away from them. But like I say, if the Seahawks decide to do that, you know, I would be appreciative of that. But, you know, that's, you know, I'm looking forward to my Hall of Fame ring, man. That's something that I feel like I I, I earned, and I'm looking forward to that. And to, to have it in the same year that the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, to be a part of that, you know, to see that, to be a witness of that, you know. You know, so I couldn't ask for anything else, man. What about Florida State, though? They did pretty well this year, too. They did, man. You know, it's been a great year, man. You know, just seeing these teams, you know, teams that you played for to go out and, and be, you know, like for Florida State. You know, this this team has been trying to this, – this, this 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 team has been trying to figure out what, you know. And, and in the end, you always say, hey, it's all about quarterback play. You know, they got a quarterback in there that can go out there and be consistent and play and get the ball into guys' hands that can make plays. So – you know, um, I'm happy for those guys, man. I'm happy for uh, Florida State, man, to, to be back on the map again. You know, they always, every year, you, they're one game away or they'll lose a game that they don't, they will they will lose a game that they didn't need to lose to, to knock them out of the hunt for the national championship game. So for them to, to be back in that game and the way that they won that game, you know, they was winning so convincingly this year. So for them to go into that game and, had to fight in the end to, to win that game. That makes it more sweet. Not saying a blowout would have been sweeter, but you know to go out there and to win it on the on the almost the last play of the game. You know that was so amazing for that team, and that gave them so much confidence going into next year. That hey, you got to fight every game, and you're going to win some games eventually. But in the end, it's all about trying to find a way to win, and that's what they did. 
In 13 NFL seasons, you gave up or you were penalized nine times for holding. Now, I see offensive linemen get that many calls against him in like two or three games. Did, did you did you just not hold or did they just not see it? Or <laughs> Man, if, hey, if they don't call it, man, it's not holding. So as an offensive lineman, man, I think it's a situation where you know, in this game, you it, it, you know, as you know, referees always tell you, if you keep your hands inside, it's not hold. Most of the time, if you can't get caught holding, it's because your your hands are outside the uh, the shoulder pads of a, a defense alignment. So for me personally, I try my best to keep my hands inside. Not saying that I wasn't grabbing cloth or grabbing pads, but hey, you know, as an offensive lineman, you know, I think that's something that you have to learn how to play the game and know how to get away with stuff that's. That's part of the, of the game. There's no way, you know, you can go out there and not say you're not holding because you, you probably could get called for holding on every snap, but it, that's all about working your techniques and making sure that you got your hands in the right place. That does it for another edition of Sports and Torts. I would like to thank our guest, April Playboy Playmate Shanice Jordan and Pro Football Hall of Fame inductee-to-be Walter Jones and our Hall of Fame Executive Director, Dave Olson. Tune in again next time for Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com.